crisp you. Yeah, you sitting on the couch over there with a bunch of ideas in your head floating around. You want to start a podcast? You don't know how. Let your boy DJ Ron help you. All you got to do is go to anchor.fm. That's right. Anchor.fm. It's powered by Spotify. It's an all-in-one program to help you start your own podcast. It's so easy. You can monetize your podcast, make some money off your own ideas, your show, get your listeners, distribute it to the world. You want to do it anyway, so let Anchor help you. Anchor.fm. Do it today. It's a part of the A-Square podcast family as well. Keep it locked. Keep it locked. It's the A-Square Podcast. That's right, that's right, that's right. What up, baby? Hey, this is Kemp, and you rocking with the A-Square Podcast. Be sure to click and subscribe. Cornbread. What up, dog? DJ A-Ron. A-Square Podcast. With information on entrance to the trade. Make sure you subscribe and share. Also, turn those notifications on to the podcast. All right. A-Square Podcast. This is DJ A-Ron alongside my brother, as always, Cornbread. Antonio, how are you, my guy? I'm good, man. Hey, how are you doing out there? Uh, welcome, world. Welcome to the A-Square Podcast again, man. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, Antonio, uh, here we are again with another yes. interview. Yes. Um, more guests, more information. As always, uh, why don't you introduce who we got today, man? Absolutely. Can I tell a quick story, man? Or should, or should we welcome back? But yeah, oh, well, go yeah, ahead. Welcome tell, back. I want to tell, tell a quick tell story, story, man. <laughs> so first off, you know, to the world out there, I'm left-handed, right? So I have terrible handwriting. I can't read anything. I, it's terrible. So I had to sit in the front of the uh, the class to pay attention, you know, because and I learned a lot. I got good grades. So I had to pay attention. And I think today is one of those days where I know I'm going to learn something, man. So Brett, welcome back to the A-Square podcast. How you doing, man? Hey, thank you guys for having me back today. I'm always excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. you brought Absolutely. some guests. You brought some guests. I did. You I, I, brought, I brought some more guests with me today. So today I brought with me uh, one of our pulmonologists from the hospital, Dr. Chaudhry, and then one of my coworkers within the Cancer Institute, Kenny Haney. And what we want to talk about today is our Built to Quit Tobacco and Smoking Cessation program with you guys. Okay. Where's okay. is Kenny there, man? What's up, Kenny? How you doing? I can't. I, I'm I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So first, for both of our guests, we would love you guys to do a quick, you know, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, so Doc, sure. if you don't mind going first, just telling us a little bit, you know, where you grew up, kind of what got you into this profession that you're in. Yeah, sure. So, um, hey everybody, how are you? So my name is uh, Dr. Abu Chaudhry. Um, you know, not to be confused with like the monkey in Aladdin. I heard that a lot growing up. So just uh, <laughs> table that right now. Keep it at the at the last names only. So I'm actually born in New York, Queens, Jackson Heights, and then uh, went down to South Florida. I was raised up there, and then did my training in Miami, I go Canes, and then went to Emory for a fellowship. And uh, you know, kind of loved the city of Atlanta. Stayed here, and I started a, a practice in uh, pulmonary and critical care medicine. So, the, I mean, the, when you look at what I do, it's kind of like a, there's two parts of what I do. One is the, the lung part only, the other part is critical care. So I started falling in love with critical care when I was a resident because, you know, my attending said, look, like you're the last line of defense. When someone gets sick, whether they have a heart attack, cancer, or something else going on, you know, trauma, I mean, if you can't fix them, that's it. So that kind of got to me and you know, so that, that field itself then evolved and it includes pulmonary a lot. We saw it in COVID-19, we saw like a lot of lung infections, a lot of people in the ICUs. Um, and then uh, using that part of the world that I was in and then bridging with the outpatient world, which 
involves all the things we're going to talk about, smoking, vaping, et cetera. And then other, other like lung diseases like COPD, asthma and whatnot. So that's kind of where I have a, a dyad approach to my life where I have one half of it is in critical care. The other half is in pulmonary. Oh, nice. thank you. Kenny, what's nice. up with you, man? How are you doing? I'm good. Um, so uh, some, like Brett said earlier, I, I work alongside him, um, working within the communities, providing health education. Um, I always, you know, say the most important thing we have in uh, healthcare is education. If we can educate people how to take care of themselves, how to be healthy, everybody wants to be healthy. Not everybody knows how to be healthy. Um, so that's that's a big part of our job is providing that education, getting out to the communities, um, and working within the communities to identify their needs, addressing those needs, getting them any uh, resources or help that they need. Uh, but along with that, uh, since I started with Northside over five years ago, I've been working with the uh, Smoking and Tobacco Cessation Program, uh, which we rebranded to the Built to Quit Program. We wanted to be comprehensive so people understood that smoking isn't just smoking cigarettes. It, you know, there's all different types of tobacco products that do affect your health. Um, and then obviously over the last decade, we've seen a rise in people vaping and understanding what, what are some of the dangers behind that and what are the trends that we're seeing and how can we help people with any type of nicotine addiction. Um, so I spent a lot of time working with people just like Dr. Chaudhry um, and Brett to be able to not only identify some of these things, but be able to provide resources and get that education out to the community. Thank so you. Uh, why don't we do this and uh, let's just go ahead and get, get some information out there to the people, uh, you know, Vaping is is huge. Uh, vaping is big business. You know, every corner that that it, where I live, I see a vape shop is opening up everywhere. So, um, why don't you tell us, uh, Kenny? Why don't you give us a little information uh, on that and and talk to us a little bit about that, guys? Yeah. So vaping is massive. Um, it's something that we. Didn't hear much about, but it's actually been around for a very long time. The very first patent filed for an electronic cigarette was actually in 1967. Um, most people, when you ask, when, how long has vaping been around? How long has e-cigarettes been around? The answer you're going to get is 2000, 2005, somewhere around there. That's because that's when we started seeing kind of the wide use of it. Um, and, you know, what I always tell people is really in 1988, that's when the U.S. Surgeon General released a report showing exactly how bad cigarettes and tobacco products were for us, showing that over 400,000 people die every single year with tobacco-related deaths. That being said, the cultural shift that we had in the United States was huge. We started seeing less and less people become smokers when they were teenagers. The people that were smokers were quitting because now they know it's causing their heart disease. It's causing things like COPD and these other forms of cancer and things like that. Um, that cultural shift, uh, you know, you guys probably remember, you used to walk into a restaurant, the very first question you're asked, you want to sit on the smoking side or the non-smoking side? Right. Man, they, they used to could smoke on airplanes, remember that? <laughs> exactly, you smoke on airplanes. You know, I, I, it's funny, I speak to these kids at these high schools and middle schools, all, and I tell them, like, if you bought a new car, every single car had an ashtray built in in all four doors. It had a cigarette lighter in the front. These mm -hmm. were all things that were normal part of our culture that really shifted after 1988. Now you do those things, there's no cigarette lighter in a car. You know, there's seven places to plug your phone in, but there's no cigarette lighter anymore. You know, it, and it's it's understanding that that shift was really started by that one report and us actually having the definitive long term studies to show it's causing these issues. We now know this um, when all that 
that happened and people were trying to quit, e-cigarettes started to go on the rise. People saw that as a way to quit. They, they saw it and marketed it as a cessation tool. Um, we're now seeing now that that's not the best form of cessation. Um, we're actually seeing more people get addicted to nicotine because it's a higher concentrated dosage. They don't know when to stop, uh, when they're vaping, when they're using these e-cigarettes. But this was something that really we didn't notice for a little while because it wasn't widely used throughout the 90s. The original e-cigarettes looked like cigarettes. Nobody wanted to use them. Um, it, you know, if you have that social stigma of walking down the street, nobody wants to be by you while you're smoking a cigarette. The last thing somebody that's trying to quit wants to do is smoke something that looks like a cigarette. People still avoid them. So the change in the industry went to more sleek, modern designs. Everything that we know with vaping now, the little jewel pods. The, make the it look cool. Pods. Exactly. Just make it look as cool as possible. Look cool. Put LED lights on it. You can buy skins on Amazon, <laughs> flavored e-juice, whatever you can think of. And Kenny, like to that point, isn't that remarkable that it's marketed to such a younger population with that, right? I mean, that's like you're marketing to people like less than 18, which is insane to me, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, when we look at vaping and the the trends that we're seeing from 2011 to 2019, there was an 1800% increase in teenagers vaping in the United States. Right. And that's an astronomical increase for really anything. But, you know, especially when you're looking at something that could impact these kids' lives years down the road and not slightly, but cause illnesses or diseases or bring things on earlier than they ever should have. And, um, you know, a lot of these kids, they don't know this stuff. Um, their parents don't even know that they're doing this or even know about vaping because this wasn't around when they were younger. They were used to traditional cigarettes. My son's not smoking cigarettes. Great. But then they're vaping and what other illnesses are being formed from it? You know, when we talk about somebody smoking a cigarette, you're talking about a dry heat that they're breathing in. When they're vaping, that's a hot, moist heat. And that causes a whole nother realm of issues within their esophagus and in their lungs than what the, the cigarettes ever did. Um, and, you know, Dr. Chaudhry, you may be able to speak a little bit more on that. Some of the random things that we've seen in the hospital because of vaping or some I mean, mean, that's like right before COVID, right? You remember we had the Ebali um, epidemic, which is like cigarette vaping induced lung injury. Basically, it was presenting as these, you know, young people and they're, you know, sometimes, I mean, we don't, we're at adult hospitals. We would say the youngest we saw was 18, but, you know, my wife's in pediatric critical care. She saw kids like 12 years old, 13 years old with this, you know, really insane uh, inflammatory disease that affected both lungs when people were vaping. And, you know, we couldn't figure out what was causing it. And then there was a lot of population theories. Maybe it was laced with THC, which is a compound that, you know, very, uh, that we, that people have tried to use with marijuana to see if there was like a, a there was oils that were take, getting done from online. I mean, there was like these black market, um, cartridges that people were ordering just for these to get like higher vaping cloud smoke and they're just killing kids left and right and adults are suffering from it too so it's, it's definitely you know it definitely has been a, a, a problem that we've seen in our world so is it is it a difference uh, between like the the e-cigs for regular tobacco and thc uh is is there is there a difference there or is it the exact same thing when you're vaping so it depends right it's uh now we have a lot of research and, and kenny and i can kind of tag team this one we have a lot of research on tobacco right it's been 
it's been, you know, a while since we've been looking into how does tobacco, how does, you know, carbon monoxide, how do the things that when you put into a cigarette, like the, uh, the innumerable amount of chemicals, how do they affect the body? What kind of cancers are they related to? With, with, with vaping, even though, you know, the patent was in 67 and then you have these like newer agents in the early 2000s, you know, we're still learning about this process. Like how is it actually affecting people? And what we're going to be, you know, imagine being like the guinea pigs early when cigarettes came out mm. and then we're studying them and like, you know, 60 years later when they're all, you know, dying on oxygen, right? So we're, we're not going to see what's actually the inciting factor until we have a lot more perspective data, right? And like, okay, well, this is what caused this, this is what caused that. And, um, but there is data that's showing that, you know, any, uh, any type of combustion, right? There's butane, there's the, the mechanism of vaping is pretty similar across um, devices, right? You have uh, a chamber that's, as, you, as uh, Kenny was alluding to, you have chemicals, you have, when you're breathing in, it activates that. Sometimes there's cotton or something in there that kind of make the, the vape cloud bigger and it's combustion burn and you get this, you know, micro particles and large volumes of smoke. And that's not supposed to be in the lung, right? The smoke's made, the lungs are made up of 400 million alveoli. And when they get affected with that, it causes a inflammatory cascade in some individuals. It causes damage. And we're not going to see that effect in an 18-year-old that started now until, you know, either if it's acute, maybe now, but mostly in 20, 30 years. I got you. Um, so <clears throat> we are on this podcast, man. We're millennials, man. So growing up, you know, we, there was actually like, and it's funny what Kenny said, there was candy that looked like cigarettes that you could eat, mm -hmm. right? Like yeah. we grew yeah. up yeah. and that was normal in like a Halloween bag or something like that. Exactly. Thanks for reminding me I'm old, Antonio. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it, it's starting to become like an every episode yeah. thing with you now, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I, gotta, I gotta tell them the good old days, right? The good old days. <laughs> and even, um, so when they start to see that, okay, cigarettes are cool and, and it's becoming the common thing, they came up with the D.A.R.E. program, which some people don't know that right. there was a D.A.R.E. program, right? But that got dismantled because they realized it wasn't working. So I would like to know from you too, what are some programs maybe now or even in the future that they, you know, because you guys are behind the scenes, what are they talking about to show that no, D.A.R.E. or, or not D.A.R.E., but cigarettes, cigars, all this stuff is not working. Is there anything to try to negate and, um, stop these teenagers or even young young 20 year olds from using uh, go ahead kenny i'll talk i, to I was just gonna say that that's a large part of what um i've actually been doing over the last couple of years with the help of dr shadri um our a lot of our pulmonologists at Northside. um brett and i have actually been working a lot on different things um so I actually go to a lot of middle schools and high schools throughout the state of Georgia and uh, speak to them directly about this, do, you know, usually about a 30 to 45 minute presentation, let them ask questions, ask directly. Um, you know, we, we want them to feel comfortable to not get punished for anything because at the end of the day, we, we need to teach these kids that this is an addiction that they're building, an addiction that can affect the rest of their life. We're not there to punish anybody. We're there to help them stop this addiction from actually happening. And if they are addicted, get them the help. So along with that, Brett and I actually received the certification um, last year um, through the American Lung Association for a program called In Depth and also Not, Not on Tobacco, where it's actually uh, classes and um, programs to help kids that are addicted to these uh, different types of products, whether it is cigarettes, whether it is vaping, any type of nicotine addiction, help them get clean from it, get a past that addictive, so uh, that addiction, so they don't have some of these problems in the future. Um, and we're working within the local school systems to be able to institute those in the school itself. 
So a child's caught vaping in school, instead of just suspending them without actually teaching them about their addiction, trying right. to help them right. break it, it's, it, you know, there is a punishment. They broke the rules. They know that, but get them the help they need too. So they now vape at home. We were just That's exactly. not stopping the That's not stopping anything, bro. So, You're sending so them home to vape more. <laughs> That's great. So, so this program allows us to come in and work directly with the kids. And that as part of their punishment, they it's more of you have to go and learn about this, learn okay. what could be causing it. And it gives them that opportunity to make an informed decision. You know, if they still choose to do the things they're going to, we can't stop it necessarily. But what we can do is we can provide them with the actual facts what you know fight those misconceptions they have from what their friend told them it is versus what it really is kind of thing and giving them opportunity to move in the right direction the best way forward right um so we've been doing that but also along with that um you know the american academy of pediatrics the president of the uh, american academy of pediatrics said it's more important for every teacher and parent to know about these devices how they work and the threat they pose to younger people and so I spend a lot of time, if I'm going to work with the school, I always ask them, I'm more than happy to come speak to the students. I love doing that. But I also want to speak to the teachers. I want to speak to the parents. So if there's a PTA night or anything like that, that I can come back and present to them, that's even better because it teaches them, again, don't just punish your kid when you catch them doing something like this. Teach them. Teach them why it's an issue, what problems they can cause. Um, and I always use the example, and it's an extreme example, but if you walked in on your child using heroin or cocaine, yeah, you're going to be mad and you're, there's going to be punishments there, but you're also going to get them help. It's the same thing here. It's just as nicotine's just as addictive as heroin or cocaine. It's a functioning addiction though. And that's why people are okay with it. Gotcha. And so that's why we can't just punish. We have to teach. And it, it is trying to inform those teachers and those parents how to do so, how to notice these things before they start even. And what can you do after they've started that can get these children help? And it's the piggyback off that. Like, I mean, when Kenny asked me to talk to a high school, it was a, I mean, there, there was an auditorium was full and we're, we're talking to these really smart kids. And I, you know, I'm a millennial too. And I had, I mean, I don't remember having access to this much amount of information, you know, in high school or, or middle school. I still remember like, okay, if you wanted to learn something, you had to go to the library, right? You had to <laughs> You had to like pull out a library. Oh, wow. Like, yeah. you know, and I was like, now, like, while I'm talking, like, there's kids like moving back and saying, actually, it was 2002, not 2001. I'm like, oh, all right, buddy. Oh, my God. You know, so it's like, so they're, you know, so they have access to a lot. And I remember this one kid, um, you know, I was talking to this, uh, this student body and I'm going through and I have a different approach, right? I mean, I, I, I love the way Kenny does it. And we've talked about this and, you know, we always try to hit it through or hit this, uh, that population through different types of way to kind of get to them, right? And I thought, okay, well, if I was a, you know, somebody who was like 13 or 14, and I thought, and I read something online, I thought it was cool, like, what would make me think that it wasn't cool to vape? So then I talked to them about, hey, guess what? Like, this started as a, as a pharmac pharmacist thinking like, hey, I'm going to help people, you know, quit smoking. And then, you know, Big Tobacco said, this is amazing people actually get addicted more to nicotine because there's more nicotine per puff. And they just, so how about we buy these companies, we rebrand them, and then we target this population. And then I, you know, and Kenny knows this, like the presentations I choose is the, is the images of how they targeted like a mom with the baby with a tobacco use, right? And then, then they have, they got like celebrities now doing the same thing, but they're all hanging out, playing, you know, right. on their skateboards, like right. with a vape in there. Right? I was like, look, I was like, look, they're manipulating 
your construct or what your psyche is to try to get you addicted because they know. And then there's a financial graph, right? That's public knowledge because they're a publicly traded company that shows, hey, if we do this, we're going to make money for the next. And they're more likely to get back on, get on cigarettes, right? Wow. It's like, because once they find a cheaper alternative as they're older or whatnot, we're just going to get them on, on cigarettes. And so like that, that, you know, that kid was like, hey, well, I saw online that this is actually helpful. Like this is, this is helping, you know, make my lungs stronger and all that. And so it took the rest of my, my talk there to, to go through the science at a basic level and say, no, like, like we're fighting an age of misinformation at the same front, right? So it's, it's, it's very difficult nowadays because there's so much random stuff out there. You know, it's a lot of the times I hear, uh, it's so, it's so crazy. <laughs> you got older person who smokes regular cigarettes, right? Yeah. And he will, this, I know these, I know this person. He will <laughs> never, he will never ever touch a vape pen. And I was like, and I didn't, not that I encouraged or said anything about it. I was like, you, have you heard of any of that before? Just a conversation, right? I ain't messing with that stuff. That stuff will kill you. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm like, but you I don't, well, I'll just quit uh, across the board. But then, so you got those people who smoke regular cigarettes who will never, you know, do the vape. And then on the other hand, I know a lot of young people who do the vape that will never touch a cigarette. And they'll yeah. realize it. Yeah. Is it, it's the same thing. <laughs> like how they're doing the That's same the thing. Genius of marketing. That's the yeah. genius of marketing right there. It's like, hey, you were going to, you know, that, because I, I remember, because you'll see a picture, like one of my, I remember, you know, you, one of the quotes I love is that um, you can't see what you don't understand, right? So when you're, when you're growing up and you see these images and you see things that are actually coming out and saying, hey, like the pictures, as I mentioned before, that's kind of ingrained in your mind, right? That becomes like something that is, that is, you know, um, part of your, your, your daily life. And when you're older, as you said, that guy's like, hey, this is fine. Because I remember a picture with a cigarette with the kid, and that was fine. He's Same remembering, thing. yeah. He's remembering, right? Yep. Yeah, so. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's, that's a big thing. And it, I mean, it's easy to see if you look at the marketing plans from uh, big tobacco from, you know, you look at the 1950s, 1960s, 1970s, and you compare that to the vaping industry now they're very, very similar to one another. And it makes sense because it's the same companies running those marketing campaigns too. The difference is vaping actually gets by uh, because the laws don't cover vaping. It's not, it's not tobacco usage. And so the way a lot of the laws were written was for tobacco usage, not for nicotine usage. And um, so that's what we're seeing a lot of. And if you ever, if you ever see some of the commercials, I love the statement in the commercial is you have somebody that's been vaping for, five, six years. And they say, oh, I was never able to quit smoking, but I made the switch. They never say they quit. They always say switch because they're right. still addicted to nicotine. They just have a different delivery system for their nicotine. And now they can't quit vaping. They've been doing it for six years and they have, they're vaping just as much as they ever were before. And you know, people think, well, at least it's not tobacco. You're not getting some of these other things. Yeah, but you are getting additional chemicals that wasn't necessarily in that cigarette. And then you're getting a different delivery system and you're ingesting it that way, which can be harmful. Um, but at the end of the day, that nicotine is not good for you either. You're artificially increasing your heart rate for at least 20 minutes every time you use it. So the, the heart perceives you as being almost 90 pounds overweight whenever you're using these products. That's how hard it has to work. Wow. And, and it, you're just sitting there. It thinks you got All up right. and ran around the neighborhood and came and sat back down. 
Um, yeah. So these are things that people just kind of neglect when they're they're hearing these. And you know, we we unfortunately live in a society now too that it's very headline based. They read the headline of an article says, "Oh, it's proven to be good for you," without reading yeah. the actual article. <laughs> And they look at the article and it says, oh, it's proven. Of for my you. Exactly. And, it, you know, it, a lot of these studies kind of showed that, okay, if somebody did use this precisely the exact way they were able to cut out their smoking habit, okay, that, that's great. But what is exactly the price, the precise way? Well, they never took in more than the equivalent of what they would usually smoke. How do, how do you know when to stop? When you're vaping, you have your vape pen full of e-juice. When do you stop? You, you know, don't, you don't, you don't, because I, I, like I, I live, I work, um, whether it's like right now I'm the DJ for, um, Illinois state university. So when I'm out there, when I'm on the campus or whatever, and I'm getting ready to unload my stuff from the car, all the students that are in the area are vaping and I'm, I'm, I'm seeing it, you know, and I'm, I'm actually seeing it's so crazy because you can't smoke indoors, like smoke a cigarette indoors and nobody know, you know, like you're going to, you're going to smell that. But as I go to the bathroom, they're in the bathroom vaping, <laughs> you know? So it's, it's, it's literally when you smoke a cigarette, once the cigarette is done, it's over until you light up another one. But with the, with the, with the oils and everything, I'm seeing them hit it like literally like all the time, like, Every couple of minutes, every couple of minutes is is wild. Yeah, and the and the thing that's happening is that because they're they're nicotine based, and to what Kenny was saying, like you get, you know, nicotine hits that brain cell within ten seconds, right? So you have, and then you get a release of dopamine, which is our happy hormone, right? So mm -hmm. you get nicotine, boom, goes to the nicotine receptors in the brain, activates dopamine release, you feel good. Problem is, is that right afterwards after you lose that high now you want it again so you do it again and now it releases a little bit more dopamine and then you kind of have okay well if i go higher and higher and higher on my um on the how much i'm doing i'm going to get happier and happier and happier so that's why there's such a that's why you exactly what you see you see someone doing one and they're doing two and then these kids are going from like okay well i need more nicotine right that sounds like crack that's, that's exactly like crack. Yeah. That's exactly what crack addicts say. Every time I watch a movie, a, film, a documentary, like they're chasing the same high, but they'll yeah. never get that high again. But they're chasing that, and I think that that's what what people are are, are ultimately doing. Like they're trying to get that same buzz that they had ten minutes ago <laughs> that right. they can't get. And to. this isn't and this isn't just to talk and bash on the youth. I think the older the older generation too. I think to me it feels like they graduated to cigars instead of cigarettes, right? So it's kind of yeah. like if anything, the cigars are way bigger than the cigarettes. I don't know how many like if it's three or four cigarettes in a cigar. I don't know the you know the yeah. equation of that, but if you want to speak on that, yeah. So I think I think that we're actually in my practice and like and like my colleagues, we actually see. Um, contrary to like, you know, as you see, like some of that, as you mentioned, like some people are like, oh, I'm not touching that, but uh, there is a significant amount of population that's using both. That's and right. so we're talking about like people who were on cigarettes, who tried to get off of cigarettes using, you know, vape tools. And now they're stuck on cigarettes and that escalating dose of vaping, right? <laughs> so they'll come to the office with a vape pen in their pocket 
because uh, uh, they know I can smell the cigarette, and I'm going to give them the right. All right. <laughs> so, so they'll have that in their pocket, and now because I, you know, because Kenny got me on this, and I can actually see what they look like, and I'm like, is that a pen or is that a vape? They're like, well, actually, it's both, and I'm like, God dang it! <laughs> and so they'll be doing that, and then they'll go in the they'll go outside, and I'll catch them in the hallways. I'm like, what are you doing? I was like, he's like, oh, I just, you know, I was getting nervous. I was like, oh, so you're having withdrawals. Like within five, 10 minutes or, you know, like an hour appointment and 10, 15, 20 minutes of us talking. By the time he got to the car, he's already getting jittery. He's getting that anxiety. He's getting palpitations. He wants that, that extra hit. And, and it's very sad to see because, you know, we could have got him off cigarettes. Now we got to get him off cigarettes and like a vaping uh, and vape. So I don't know um, if you guys done the research on this, but I'm going to ask anyway, just to put it out there. I know growing up, um, especially with cigarettes, secondhand smoke was a big thing. So yeah. I don't know. Is that, the, is that the same thing? Like, can you get that from cigarettes, vape pens? I don't know, weed or anything like that? Or is it just secondhand smoke only classifies in like cigarettes? Antonio, you know you can get a high from somebody smoking a. a I don't. A, I don't know. Smoking, smoking some weed. <laughs> Tell us your story on how this happened. Tell us the story how this happened to you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, there's but, absolutely but, no but does reason. That, right, but does that work for vape pens too, or c- uh, cigars right, and yeah. stuff like that? So, um, Kenny, I don't know. I don't know any like good kind of secondhand research, but I can tell you from a physiologic standpoint, like if you are around smoke and like look uh, so if you look at third world countries right and you look at when that you have places that are developing countries that are you know they have a lot of pollution there's a lot of industry not a lot of clean vehicles lots of big trucks and things like that and you're walking outside you know we have research showing that you could be almost like it's, it's equivalent to basically smoking a pack a day right and we see that combustion and COPD we see that if you smoke if you sit there with a fire and you're you're cooking like in a village and you have this and you're cooking on an open fire, you can develop COPD from that, right? So it's like anytime you're around a significant amount of combustional smoke and you're breathing it in, it's not, it's not good air for you, right? And that's going to get into your lungs. It's going to cause a problem. So yeah, we, we might not be able to quantify it yet because it's hard to study a person, you know, that's, you know, in a room to see how much secondhand smoke they're getting. Like, are you, that's, that's the hard variable to assess. But we know for a fact that physiologically, if you do that, if you're around that for a long period of time, you do get lung damage. Right. Yeah, and a, and a big part of this too is, um, again, this is very, very new. Look how long it took us to figure out exactly how bad cigarettes were for us. Find out things like secondhand smoke from cigarettes was, like I said, it was 1988. And you're talking about the traditional rolled cigarette that we know that's mass produced didn't start mm-hmm. until the early 1900s. So you're still 60, 70, 80 years before right. we start finding some of this stuff out. Um, so long-term studies do have to be done to be able to definitively say this, and it takes 20 plus years to do long-term studies. And, and why use for these products really hasn't been around for 20 plus years um, to do all these studies that we need to. But what we can do is we can look at what are the chemical compounds that are found in these that we do know about? Uh, what happens when they're released into the air? Should you be breathing this in? At the end of the day, the only thing you should be breathing into your lungs is clean air. Uh, is flat out. And so breathing in some of these compounds, it definitely can't be good for you. But we, uh, one of the things that became a big issue that we knew about um, was uh, the, the chemicals they use to create these flavorings. 
um, when, right. when they make a mango e-juice, they, they're not squeezing a mango <laughs> into it, right? <laughs> so, all they, natural. They label it organic and all natural. <laughs> exactly. And so, so with these things, you know, I, when I speak to kids, I always tell them, I was like, think of it this way. If you eat candy, you eat artificial ingredients all the time. These are artificial ingredients, but these don't, these have to hide the taste of things. You know, if you eat a Jolly Rancher, it has to hide the taste of sugar. Nobody really cares about you hiding the taste of sugar because everybody likes the taste of sugar. So that being said, they have to hide the taste of things like acetone that are found in this, formaldehyde. And those are have strong scents and flavors. So to make it taste like that mango, they use a special type of artificial ingredient called a diacetyl. Um, You you may have heard of popcorn lung. Well, that's where it starts from are these diacetyls. And uh, they're, they're affecting your lungs again because you're now ingesting this additional chemical into your lungs that's causing other issues because it was not meant to be ingested this way. And, um, and diacetyls, just so you know where popcorn lung came from, it started from popcorn factories. People yeah. that worked in popcorn factories, they found, oh, the smell of that butter of the popcorn makes more people want to eat it, so more people will buy it, so let's increase that smell. How do they do it? Artificial ingredient that they would just put on the bag. So whenever you heat it up, it smells more like popcorn. Smart. Well, then all of a sudden it started causing health issues for all these people that worked in these popcorn factories because they were breathing this in day in, all day beef. out. They're all beast. They just kept eating popcorn. Yeah, I kind of want some popcorn. Right <laughs> <there>. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's where popcorn lung came from. Uh, that that the terminology, just because these people were working these areas all day, breathing in these diacetyls. Now people are willingly breathing this stuff in, just because they want to vape something that tastes like cinnamon toast crunch. You know, it's a lot cheaper to go to the grocery store and buy cinnamon toast crunch and eat it, and probably healthier for you too. Right. You eat the whole box. <laughs> So, um, but yeah, going back to what you asked earlier about um, how many how many cigarettes are in a cigar, even yeah, twenty cigarettes is equivalent to one cigar. That's how much nicotine's in one cigar. All right, it's time um, to go. It's time to go. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's what people. What? Think, you know, there's so much there's so much public perception that's taught us yeah. things that are incorrect, and it's trying to get the public to know about this. And again, that's a large part of what Brett and I do. Um, when we go and speak to people, I always ask them, I'm like, okay, what's better for you, a cigar or cigarette? What, what do you think is healthier for you when it comes to nicotine usage? And people think cigars are better. They like the smell of cigars better. I don't, I don't inhale it, right? That's what they I say. I don't inhale <laughs> it. <laughs> they talk like I'm on the golf course. It's not seen, it's not seen as an addiction. You know, yeah. they, Nobody's running outside to smoke a cigar for five minutes to get back inside like they are a cigarette. These are all public perceptions and things that we've been taught to be true that weren't actually true when it in fact that 20 times the amount of nicotine in that one cigar mm-hmm. um you know the same thing goes for things like hookah a one hour hookah session oh. which is an average mm-hmm. hookah session mm-hmm. you're running into a pack of cigarettes basically smoking the equivalent of a pack of cigarettes well this it's filtered. Yeah. We, we hear people oh it's filtered through water that water's not <laughs> there to filter anything that water is just to provide the moisture you know yeah so it's a burn your on the way in you know so we hear all types of stuff like that and um so it is trying to combat those misconceptions that we we have in the public and and answer this Um, oh kenny the one that i've heard that was probably my favorite was um you know because it was what did he what did he say hey doc like I use the mint flavor because it helps open up my lungs when I have <laughs> Yeah, the, the, the mint flavor. Like, well, I have a horrible pneumonia. So, <laughs> stop doing that. so what's the it, what's the COVID flavor? Like, is there one that helps you out? Seriously, is there, right? Is that like strawberry banana or like, what is that? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. 
Yes, I mean that that's the thing, and and you know the the a lot of the legislation hasn't been able to keep up with it. Uh, the first piece that got instituted was the FDA finally uh, stepping in and banning flavorings, and that that started January first of this year. It's something that's nice. been talked about for Good. a long time. Good. That being said, there's two flavors: menthol and tobacco. Um, but just like with anything, there's loopholes. Um, one of the loopholes that's already been found is it if it's a disposable e-cigarette. It does not fall within it. <laughs> so, but uh, so that that's the thing is uh, people are finding loopholes within that, and unfortunately, you know the the flavorings has been a way to market it towards younger people. Um, you know, most adults they don't care about vaping fruity pebbles. You know, they they don't care about vaping cookies and things like that. It, you know, I always joke around if they're going to make them for adults, there'd be mint and coffee. That'd probably be the two flavors, <laughs> yeah, right? True. Uh, um, that's true. Uh, so, I mean, there, it's obviously a way to give them to target children, even looking at the device over the years. Like I said, the original e-cigarettes looked like a cigarette. They didn't sell very well because nobody wanted to smoke something that looked like a cigarette when they were trying to quit. Right. Over the years, they've become more modern, sleek design to the point that we developed into the pod systems. Even though the vaping pins and the box mods that we originally had uh, were doing so well, they went to the pod-based systems. And the reason for that, they were more uh, concealable. And, you know, any, any one of us on this call can vape, drive in our car, nobody cares really, right? But if you're 13, 14 years old, somebody sees you doing it, well, you're doing something wrong. You're, you're catching their attention. Now they made it where it's small enough to fit inside your fist. So it looks like you're blowing into your hands because you're cold. It's cold outside, right? You can slide it down your sleeve very easily. You plug it into your computer to charge. Your mom comes in and says, what are you doing? Oh, I'm saving my homework. Mm -hmm. You know, it hides in plain sight. And yeah. that's what I try to talk to parents about is, look, you can walk into your kid's room right now and they could have one on their desk and you probably never even know it. And um, not only top of that, there's a whole nother industry surrounding the vaping industry for people to be able to conceal these. You know, things like hooded sweatshirts that it goes inside your hooded sweatshirt and the, the, the drawstring. Brett has one on now. Brett. Uh, <laughs> I was just saying. Brett, yeah. When, when Kenny, when, when I first started working with the, built the quick program and came and showed me all this stuff i was floored that there's like like places where you can that just manufacture these enabling clothes and stuff like who in their right mind wants to <laughs> suck on their hoodie string all the day long <laughs> but, but that's that's the crazy thing and when i always like i always encourage these kids to be open and honest i'm not there to get them in trouble or anything and uh, i always ask them if um they know somebody is currently vaping a friend family member whatever it may be um but i ask them to raise their hand if they ever seen somebody vape in the school and if you go to high school it pretty much every hand goes up because yep. it's, it's very common for them to be in the bathrooms vaping and things like that then I asked them, okay, what about in a classroom? You think in a classroom, 20, 30 students, there's no way that it's happening. It happens almost every high school across the country every single day. Uh, it's one in four high school students currently in this country mm. are vaping on a regular basis. Yeah. It, one in nine <laughs> middle school students are doing this. I mean, what? you're talking about kids that are 12 years old that are doing yeah. this now. And um, so this is a trend. And, you know, when COVID started, there was, there's a lot of concern, a lot more kids at home by themselves. Their parents still had to work. They're doing virtual learning, things like that. Are They're going to vape more. Well, for one year, which was kind of crazy, we saw a reduction in teenagers vaping in 2020. And yeah. the reason we realized this is because there's three parts of addiction. There's mental, there's physical, and there's social addiction. 
A lot of these kids have a social addiction. They're doing it in groups. They're not doing it by themselves. Well, now if one person has the device and usually four other people share that, that one person sitting at their home with their device, the other four sitting at their home without one, you just cut out the number of teenagers vaping by 80%. And it, so we started seeing a reduction in 2020, but in 2021, when we went back uh, to in-person learning, the numbers started climbing already. We haven't got the reports from the CDC yet to show teenagers vaping as of uh, at the end of 2021. But the number that we saw um, going out of 2020 was just over 5 million still in the country. Um, we're expecting that number though, because they saw an exponential increase started happening very quickly, probably over 6 million teenagers vaping. So adding about a million in a year. And you talk about back in 2011, we were adding tens of thousands in a year. Now we're adding millions in a year. Um, and so that's the concern that we had it, uh, with the teenagers vaping over this last decade, so much that the U.S. Surgeon General in 2018 called this an epidemic for today's uh, youth. And, you know, for something to be deemed an epidemic at, at that scale, that's a big deal. And, and for so many people to not know about it, that's what made it an even bigger deal. And the thing is, you, you guys know what exactly is in, like, a cigarette. You know exactly what is in a cigarette. Exactly. We've done the research and everything there. But when it comes to vaping, like you guys were saying, it's so much other stuff in there outside of just the, the nicotine and whatnot that we might not know. Like you said, the covering up the, the, the actual taste and switching all these different things. And, and we don't know what's in it. They're just selling them on every corner. That, that's it. Uh, and, you know, because with any food you eat, there's a food label on it. With anything yeah. you drink, you're sold in the store, there's a food label right. on it. And there's you know, ingredients. It shows you the exactly, ingredients. Because they had to turn over a list of ingredients and a formula to somebody so they can make that food label and say, you have to put this on there. This was an unregulated market. Like, right. like I said, until the flavorings, there was no regulations really on this market. And because of that, there's no ingredients list turned over to anybody. There's no formula. And it's, it's easy for us to say, oh, we found these chemical compounds in these e-juice and this liquid nicotine that they're serving. And we can say, oh, we found this and we found this, but we need to know the quantities. That's a big deal. You know, we, we look at a cigarette, a cigarette when um, it, before it's lit on fire, it, it has, I think it's 70 different ingredients in that one cigarette. You light it on fire. It's a catalyst for a chemical reaction, creating over 7,000 chemicals now in that one little cigarette, yep. 69 of which cause cancer. <laughs> and so it's, it's trying to get people to understand that even if we knew every ingredient in there, if we don't know the quantities, we don't know what's happened when they're heated up together now. That catalyst is going to create that re those reactions between them. You know, I always explain it to kids of you're going to bake cookies, use flour, sugar, eggs. If you use too much of one of those that the recipe calls for, it tastes different. They look different. They feel right. different, all because they interact different because of the quantities. So we do not uh, know the quantities of these ingredients in there, even if we don't even know all the ingredients in there. But what we can find, we do know are harmful. So, Kenny, okay, I, I got a question for you just real quick. Uh, how do you, when, with the, because I know that. For me, it's more the adult population and the smokers and the, you know, the kind of combination smoke and vaping. Like I have my own method that hopefully it's in, actually been pretty successful for me over the past decade. But what about with kids? I mean, if it's a, if it's a psychological 
and a physiological problem, especially with these high quantities of nicotine and they're living off this dopamine. I mean, you can't use like nicotine related agents or like these, like, you know, these gums, cause it's just going to give you a potentiated effect. Right. So like, how do you, how do you focus on for that population to get them off besides just educating them? Um, because that's a, that's a tough, that's a tough group to fix. Well, the first thing we have to do with teenagers a lot of times, and it's honestly the most difficult, is to get them to understand that they do have an addiction. Um, you know, there's a lot of, especially if they're being forced to be a part of a program or something like that because they were caught, you know, by their mom, by the principal at the school or whatever it may be. Um, so it's getting them to understand that they do have an addiction. From there, it's understanding the pattern of addiction. You know, uh, every smoker, every person that's addicted to nicotine has a pattern whether they like to admit it or not. So we, we do have to get them to identify that pattern. When are they vaping? When are they smoking? Uh, you know, what time of day is it? What's going on around them? Are they happy? Are they sad? Are they indifferent? Do they really feel like they need it? Or is it just a past time kind of thing? So it's understanding that pattern of addiction. From there, it's starting to move away from it. It's getting them through the stages of change. Get them away from, you know, not wanting to change at all to a contemplation stage, eventually into an action stage and going from there because right now a lot of those kids are in a pre-contemplation stage um so we work with a lot with our behavior health department in order to understand how to do this and how to work with individual cases a lot of times too so it is it, it, it's kind of a moving target because it does vary from child to child um but the very first thing we have to do is get them to understand what an addiction is and what they're doing is an addiction and why it's an addiction um and a lot of times that education is the first place to start. Hey, Doc, do you have some um, healthier substitutions for adults also? And then could both of you guys answer, are any of these things, you know, reversible? Some of the health problems that they have if they've been doing it for three or four years, um, yeah. you know, especially with lung cancer, just something, you know, when you start to see the side effects of maybe their skin or how they're looking, losing weight, gaining weight, are, are any of those things reversible? Yeah, so let me let me focus on the t tobacco part of this now, or just okay. kind of let you know, and we can talk about that cancer part, and then I'll tell you exactly what, what I, um, uh, you know, have done in my practice. Okay. So, if you stop smoking today, right, with an hour within an hour, your blood pressure gets better, just within one hour. It's like remarkable, right? Now, your ability to smell and taste within twenty four hours. You're just you're, you're tasting new flavors. You're smelling better, and then you have like something with our lung. How about your lung function? Within a month, the blood circulation within your lungs is is uh, exponentially improved. Okay. Now I can keep going through the like the skin within like uh, just like you, you within 72 hours you're seeing that your skin is less rubbery, right? Uh, like there's that less of that tautness because you're not you're not affecting your skin. Now you keep going for like five years, your risk of cardiovascular risk is cutting in half. In 10 years, now your risk of having a heart attack or a stroke is the same as someone who's never smoked, right? In 20 or 15 to 20 years, now the risk of having lung cancer is now the same as someone who's never smoked. So you're talking about if you, if you stop, right? And that's why one of my patients say, it's too late for me, you know? I'm like, it's not because the risk of you having a stroke is worse than right now. You're, you know, if I have a patient who's like 65, 70 years old, who's like, I don't, you know, what's the point of me quitting? I'm not going to get, you know, like lung cancer. I don't have it yet. So even if I get it, like, you know, whatever, That's I'm like, crazy. yeah, but you don't want a stroke, right? You get a stroke. Now you can't function on the left side of your body or the right side of your body. You can't speak. You can't feed yourself. 
right? Or if your blood pressure is so high, you get a stroke in that way, or you get a heart attack, right? So there's other things that that, that cigarettes do or that tobacco does that, that we can fix pretty fast as long as you make the decision to quit. Now, what if you have lung cancer, right? So somebody says, okay, well, I smoked. Now I have lung cancer. And a lot of my patients, that's it for them. They just stop. I have a very small group of people who are like, you know what? I don't want to stop. I want to get my treatments. What's the risk of me getting another cancer? So I'm like, well, you do. You still have that risk. You can still get mouth cancer. You can get bladder cancer, right? And your treatments won't be as effective, right? So if you stop smoking, you reduce your risk of having another cancer that's not lung related. You reduce the risk of you getting, um, you know, uh, you reduce the, the ability of treatment failure, right? And you reduce the risk of getting another lung cancer. So, so there are still benefits of doing this, no matter what stage in your life you are, right? So then it's like, okay, well, your second part was, well, what do I do? So to Kenny's point, like my population is a little different because now you've had like 20, 30 years of an addiction, right? 20, there's a, your husband and wife, both of you smoke, right? You live in a house where, you know, it's, it's, it's part of your daily life. It's part of your regimen. It's like your morning cup of coffee is with a cigarette, right? Yep. So, you know, I try to use the, the first thing I do is one to identify, hey, look, you have a problem. This is the, do you want to do you want to be healthier? Do you want to get better? Because if you're in my clinic, that means something's not happening right, right? Like you're not, you're not feeling good. So we'll go through the, the education, the COPD risk, et cetera, et cetera. Then what I'll do is I'll attack that psychological portion of it by giving them books, recommendations like The Power of Habits, right? By Charles Duhigg or like Atomic Habits, like books that people use when they're trying to run Fortune 500 companies. And I'll say, hey, look, read these books these self-transformation books, because I can't give you all that information that you need in the 20 minutes that we're sitting in a meeting. Right, or the hour, right. right? I can't do that. I can't hold your hand for that time, but I need you to do some homework. And so they'll read these books. And you, know, you guys have been on Instagram reels and it's like, oh, the top 10 books of CEOs. Like you read these like, you know, and they, and they, there are, there are powerful knowledge in there that helps you identify, look, this is my habit. Like I remember not to put a plug, but I was like, driving to work and every day for some reason I stopped by Starbucks I have a coffee maker at home every day I was like stopping by getting coffee I'm like what am I doing like I don't need to do this every day and just by going through the whole atomic habits in my mind and saying okay well I need to stop drink my own coffee save myself some money and I changed the route right right I just changed yep. my pathway to work and that stopped me from doing that right okay right so then the third part of it is that physiologic issue right? You have that nicotine dopamine response. And I got to tailor that to each person. If you've had 20 years and you're trying and you quit six times and I don't, I refuse to someone just uh, tell me that once a smoker, always a smoker. I say, no, you got to change what you think, right? You got to say, I am no longer a smoker. I am not a mm -hmm. smoker, right? Not that I am no longer a smoker. I am not a smoker. So if my patients that's come it. back to me, so that's it. That changes that mindset, right? Mm -hmm. So now you're not always going back to the cigarette because like, oh, once a smoker, always a smoker. I'll get rid of that. Right. Yeah. So then I try to help them with that by giving them medications. We have two FDA approved medications. We have Chantex and we have Wellbutrin. I like Chantex a little bit better for patients who have, you know, like that, that addiction where they, they try the nicotine. They it just is just the withdrawals are pretty bad. So I kind of bridge that with them sometimes to help. Um, and then you know, with the combination of the, the increase in office visits, the behavioral modifications and the medication, they usually quit.
And I also refer them to, to Kenny's program for continued kind of reinforcement. It's like Alcoholics Anonymous, but for smokers. That's, That's how I kind of, kind of explained it to them. Like, you need a support system. And then the last thing is, like, who around you can, can support you, mm-hmm. right? I had a patient, it's a funny story. He said, Doc, like, I'm ready to quit and I've, I'm done. I'm like, well, why do you still smell like cigarettes? He's like, because my, my wife smokes. And I was like... Yeah. Well, tell her to smoke outside the house. She said, she said, no, when I do, she smokes more. <laughs> so, <laughs> and that's you know, a real like, that that definitely tough. is a real thing right that's there. Yeah. yeah. So and I'm like, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm so sorry. So then I had her come in and then we had a conversation. And then we had, you know, to try to kind of build a support system. And we agreed that, you know, she's gonna smoke, she's just gonna smoke outside. You know, and then, you know, when when I see her over and over again, hopefully I can get her. To, to also stop smoking but you gotta have you gotta have a multi-pronged approach but the yeah. first thing is to change the mindset right you are a lot of favorite. that will that willpower a lot yeah. of willpower too because my, my entire uh family smoked cigarettes all of them like my mom did she just passed my mom did my uncles do do everybody did and my grandmother uh who is 83 years old i want to say probably maybe 15 or more years ago, she had like a minor surgery and she just quit cold Turkey. Like she literally just stopped smoking, but everybody in the house was still smoking. I'm like, what are y'all doing? Like, I don't understand. Like, like if she's sitting on her patio and she's, you know, doing her thing out there, relaxing, why are y'all going out there and smoking cigarettes right in her face, knowing that she quit? Right. So, but it was a lot of willpower. Cause like when I talked to her about that, I was like, you just quit. You know, when you talk to them, what do they say? She just like, they, they don't have it. They won't do it. You know, they, they won't try to even like, they need help, you know, to, to, to stop smoking. She just said she wanted to live longer. So she stopped smoking. She was like, if this is what's going to help me live longer, then I'm going to stop smoking. So it was a lot of willpower. So I think, you know, uh, maybe the willpower and then that support system. Like you said, a lot of people need that. Just like with any other drug or whatnot, you just need people around you to hold you and be like, yo, we got you. We got your back. We're going to be there for you. My grandmother so, smoked uh, one pack. That. My grandmother smoked one pack when she was younger. She went to go buy another one. She said they went up on the price. She stopped right there. She said it was too much. <laughs> I was dying. <laughs> and, I, and it's so crazy. You talk about price, Antonio. I'm yeah. like, when I go to a gas station, I go in there and I get a Gatorade, a water, whatever it is. And they got all the cigarettes behind the counter. But one, yeah. so nobody can steal them. Cause it's, but, it's, and- it's, you know what? They're not accepting. You can but still they got anything fruit. else. They got the fruit station. in the front, though. They got fruit, diapers, Absolutely. everything else. They yeah. Still yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's back there. And I'm seeing $100, $80 for a card. And I'm like, yeah. are y'all serious? Like, yeah. this is wild. Like, the amount of the, the cost yeah. of this stuff, it's, it's, and, it's insane. And, and, and here in Atlanta, it's, it's actually much cheaper than a lot of other places throughout the country. I mean, go to New York, go to Boston, go to, you know, out to California, it's much more expensive. And because a lot of the tax uh, laws got changed, so they tax them more in those areas, trying to get it to people to use them less. So, um, you know, they still love it. They still love it. I mean, it's still an addiction at the end of the day. Right. Um, 
but I mean, you know, you, you talked about your grandmother quitting and wanting to, to live longer. And that's that's great because it, it is going to add years onto her life by not being a, a smoker. And just like mm-hmm. Dr. Chaudhry said, there are there are some damages that you're, you're not going to be able to undo. But there is a lot of temporary damages that it just takes time being a non-smoker. And, um, you know, so when I have people come to my class I, I, and want to quit, I, they'll tell me different things and they're like, well, you know, haven't I done the damage already? Or, you know, why should I quit now? My, my grandmother smoked till she was 104. She lived that long smoking. And it's like, okay, guess that's, that's great. She lived a long time. Tell me about the last 15 years of her life. Tell me about the last 20 years of her life. Oh, right. well, she really didn't do anything. She, she was hooked right. up to an oxygen tank, right. you know? Right. Yeah. And, and I, I, I'm, I'm definitely- a The quality of life, if the quality exactly. of life is not there. I, so yeah, much, you might be alive, but the quality- but are you really alive, right? No. You know, <laughs> that, and that's exactly it. And so we, we, we talk to people. It's like, yeah, we want to extend your life, but we also want to better your life. We want you not like, to take the risk, right? Exactly. I mean, if it's, something, I mean, it's yeah. like, why, why put yourself at a higher statistical probability for something that you, you hopefully can avoid, right? It's like, well, you know what? I'm going to drive in my car without my seatbelt on because I don't want to mess up my suit. But if I die, it is. <laughs> So it doesn't make sense, you know, in that way. Exactly. exactly. You know what else? You know what else doesn't make sense? It doesn't make sense when we're when we have a snowstorm here in the Midwest that's so bad. We got like eighteen to twenty inches of snow, and um, I've seen some neighbors of mine that don't smoke inside, I guess, mm-hmm. but they were standing outside in that snow <laughs> in negative 49 degrees. Yeah. They were like this. And I said, if you don't see a problem with it, like, I don't, like, I can't, like, you, it, uh, what, hey, what do you, right. what do you you're say right. to that? What do you say to that? I don't want to be insensitive to the addiction portion of it. And it's of like, course, you know, and, of course. and like, so yeah, like you, if you're standing out there and it's negative 40 degrees and you're freezing your butt off to get some cigarettes, like that means that, you know, it's hard to see your, and I, my patients tell me yes. like, God, you know, it, you, I, I want to, but I can't, like, I feel like crap. After right. This. Right? right. It's like, I feel like, you know, and I feel like the, 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 the solution is worse than the problem. And then I have to reiterate, like, I, I feel you like, you're right. We got to be empathetic and say, look, this is going to be a journey, right? You're going to go through some stuff, but we got your back. Right. And that's, right. That's, yeah. where, that's where it counts, you know? So that, that's well, uh, actually it. Ahead, and uh, I was just going to say, you know, Brett, Brett helps me with the classes. He teaches classes. I teach classes to help people quit. And we always tell them, like, this is not like a you thing. This is an us thing. We're, right. we're working together. This is a team. You come into that group. And that's the importance of having a support group, having that classroom environment that we bring people into. It, they may all be coming in as individuals, but they're working together as a team to help one another right. quit and stay quit. You know, whether it is people that don't know each other at all, people that are family members living in the same household coming in together, whatever it may be. And at the end of the day, we're a part of that, too. You know, mm-hmm. I, I take enjoyment out of seeing people come through with this goal and they're able to achieve it. And it wasn't because of what I did. It's because of what we did. And that's what I always get them to say. And Dr. Chaudry said it earlier. When people leave that class, they don't tell you they're a former smoker. They'll, they tell you they're a non-smoker. No, they're no different than me or you. Right. We don't smoke. We're non-smokers. They're a non-smoker, too, at that point. That means they get the, all the benefits of a non-smoker. Their hair, their nails, their skin is much better. They're, they can smell and taste things a lot better. 
they don't have to pay that premium on their insurance because they're a non-smoker. Man. You know, they, there's a lot of benefits that go to be a non-smoker. And when I tell people that first day when they come in, I want to tell you to do a lot of things that sound crazy. And you're like, that doesn't, that's never going to work. Just try them because it may work. It may not, but why not try it? It's not going to hurt you to try it. And then on that's top hard. of that, just work half as hard to be a non-smoker as you do to be a smoker. You know, yep. to be a smoker, you have to make sure you always have that pack of cigarettes with you. You, if you run out, you have to go to the gas station to buy some more. Then you, or you have to buy that carton wherever it may be cheaper, and you have to drive all over places. That if you're going to drive fly from Atlanta to L to LA, you have to make sure you got to that airport earlier to get into the little glass box of smoke, which that Atlanta airport now banned. A lot of air, airports have started to ban. And then you get off that plane. The first thing you do, instead of you know going to the bathroom, <laughs> like why didn't you, you're just trying to Uber. find a place to go smoke again? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it takes a lot of work to be a smoker, and we what well, we always tell people just work half as hard to be I a non smoker. I can success. appreciate that. Yeah, so, I can definitely appreciate that. And that's what the A Square Podcast is all about: is getting you know as much information out as we possibly can. You know, because a lot of people don't know this stuff. You know, and yeah. that's why we really appreciate you guys. For sure. Absolutely. Thanks for having us on, guys. Yeah, yeah we definitely absolutely. don't want to take y'all from, from uh, saving the world, man. So we appreciate <laughs> it. So please, can y'all, um, you know, let us know how people can reach y'all, because I'm sure our listeners are going to have questions, right? Um, and then one thing that you'll tell one of our listeners listening, you know, we have a wide range of people who listen, you know, from teenagers yeah. all the way to 60 and 70 year olds, you know, people who smoke stogies every day, the people who think <laughs> smoking and vaping and weed is the worst thing ever. Right. So, um, that's one thing that you will kind of tell our listeners to, you know, motivate them. So Brett go first, man. How you doing? Oh man. I've just been having fun listening to everybody else talk this time around. <laughs> um, but I, I will always tell people that, you, and we've harped on it in this discussion, that it's never too late to start making your life better. Um, you know, we've done a lot of discussion about quality of life and healthy living. And, you know, everyone's got a reason for wanting to quit, whether or not they take action about it or not. So we do that as one of our first things in class uh, when people come in and are trying to learn that process of being a non-smoker. So mm -hmm. what is that driving force? So whether it's family, uh, big ones, financial, you know, uh, Kenny had a, a person one time who they went over their financials about how much they spent or could have saved by being a non-smoker. And that person literally broke down in tears because it was such a substantial amount of money mm -hmm. and it, that would have made their life completely different. So just never too late to start, find that driving motivation that you know that you have to, to take action. That's what I would tell people. I like it. Kenny, how can people reach you? And then what's one thing you'll tell them? Uh, so you can easily reach us if you uh, visit the northside.com website um, and look for the filter to quit program. Um, all the emails, phone calls that come through there get filtered right to my desk. So I'm the one always responding to those and answering that. Um, that's usually the best place to start. Outside of that, what I would tell people, kind of piggyback on what Brett said, there's no bad reason to quit smoking, to quit vaping. I've never heard of a bad reason. The most superficial reasons in the world. I want my teeth to look better. I want my hair to look better. Things like that, that's still a good reason. It doesn't matter. You know, we usually hear, oh, it's for my health. It's for my family, my child or anything else. Those are great, powerful motivators. Use them. And the journey is different for every single person. And the example I'll always give, 
is I, I run a lot of marathons and half marathons. It became like a passion of mine a little over a decade ago. I absolutely hate running, but that was my motivator was to do those things. And the very first time I got my wife to do a race with me, we did the Fisher Road race together on 4th of July. We got halfway through the race and she was like, we're doing so bad. You know, look at all the people ahead of us. I made her stop in the middle of Midtown Atlanta on Peachtree Street and look behind her. And she's like, what am I looking at? It's like, do you see a lot of people? And she's like, yeah, because there's people as far as she could see. And I said, you're so concerned about the people in front of you that you forgot how far you've actually come. It doesn't matter if it takes you one minute, one hour, one year to get there. As long as you're moving in the right direction, that's the important thing. Sure, we want you to move forward to that non-smoking goal as quickly as possible. But as long as you're moving forward, that means you're going in the right direction. And that's what's important to remember. Doc, how can people reach you, man? And and, and uh, close this thing out, man. No pressure. No pressure, man. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all, it's all good. So I think uh, so. I'm, uh, we're, I'm part of the pulmonary critical care group at Northside Hospital. So we can, if you if you go on our website, you can find us and uh, uh, email my office, and they'll get in contact with me, and I'll, I'll reach out to you guys to respond. Uh, and Kenny can share my email with you guys as well if you have any questions afterwards. I think for the youth, I would say that no matter what information that you see out there that's showing you that there's benefit or that it's it's good for you, I mean it's wrong. I just flat out say that it's wrong. Like they're 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 trying to, to guide you to something that's not that's not appropriate, that's not good for you, that's gonna harm you uh, in the years to come. So you know make sure that you remember that you are what you think you are and focus on your mindset. And and for my kind of older generation, I would say, you know, it's never too late. Right. It's never too late to quit, never too late to focus on your health, never too late to be better. And if you need help, we're here to help you. Gotcha. That's it. Love it. I love it, man. Well, this is the A Square Podcast. Again, we Brett, we appreciate you for putting this thing together as always. Thank you guys. And uh that's it. Stay square podcast.